Hi guys, welcome to the Five Property Show this morning. So this morning we're going to be talking about hiring contractors, uh, a landlord's guide to finding tradespeople you can trust in Fife. It's not easy sometimes. So some guests this morning, we've got Karen Marshall, letting agent. Hi Karen, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you? Absolutely fantastic. Um, I could say it's a, a liquid sunshine day. Sunniest <laughs> of days today. <laughs> And uh, property management, uh, Charlotte Caird. Morning. How are you, Charlotte? I'm grand. How are you? Yeah, great stuff. Yeah, absolutely fantastic today. I've um, been speaking, speaking to a couple of guests that are maybe going to come on our uh, my Sunday spot show. Some uh, world's strongest man. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> He's agreed. <laughs> so wow. we're just we're just getting a date to come on. <laughs> Tom Stoltzman, just won the world's strongest man, Scotsman from Ayrshire. Um, oh, wow. Anyway, like, morning, James. How are you this morning? Uh, you. Guys, if you've got any questions, please feel free to ask us them throughout the process. Um, this is a big subject. I mean, everybody thinks hiring a contractor is so easy. I mean, whenever you ask someone if they're a good contractor, you'll, you'll be far from a tale of war, but a plumber who never turned up. Um, an electrician who botched the job, a builder who overcharged and left a huge mess. Um, I mean, it's, it's literally taken us uh, years to build a circle of reliable contractors. I mean, I'm still going and it's 30 years and I'm still trying to get reliable contractors. We've had plenty of upsets along the way. Um, unfortunately, there's good ones and bad ones. And even the good ones get too busy or simply disappear in the process. And, we, and so the idea is don't keep your eggs all in one basket. Um, ensure that you have a backup plan. You know, what's your thoughts on that, Karen? Yeah, definitely. I think everybody's fear is finding that cowboy contract. So it's obviously taking the preventative steps beforehand to try and make sure you're getting the best person for the job. Yeah. And like you say, make sure you have backups. <laughs> mm -hmm. Charlotte, you got anything to add to that? Yeah, definitely have backups because even though this contract might be great, they're scheduling. They might not be able to fit in jobs and you need to have a backup plan if it's an urgent um, repair. So, yeah, definitely have backups. Yeah, well, you see it there. James is waiting four months for a landscaper. <laughs> we That's have something to recommend. I mean, it, is, it is quite challenging. Now. I mean, I'm, I think most of the challenges come down to the fact that we're building so many houses just now. And therefore, all the skill shortage of all the people who couldn't work in lockdown, who then reskilled and retrained and got jobs in other areas, are now having to be pulled back out of that and come into the contractors market again. But they maybe don't want to do that anymore. So we've now got a huge skill shortage in areas of plumbing, electrical, um, central heating engineers. What else, Charlotte? And um, what have we got? Skill shortage: painter and decorators. Painter and decorators. I don't know why just now, but there's a shortage of painter and decorators. Um, probably just because of lockdown, you know, they're not being able to get into houses, so they have retrained elsewhere. Um, yeah. But general handymen as well, I've noticed just now we're, we've got a lack of general handymen about. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, I always think to myself, um, maybe the handymen, what happens, or handywomen, whoever handy persons, <laughs> politically correct this morning. Um, maybe, maybe for, for me, I remember my contractor telling me years ago, he says, look, Jim, I just want to do the big jobs. I didn't want to be fiddly jobs anymore. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm going to him, but you've got to do the fiddly jobs because that's why you get the big jobs because you're doing the fiddly jobs and the smaller mm -hmm. jobs. Um, and then he went, no, I'm not really keen on that. And then I ended up, I ended up not uh, using them after a time. And it wasn't because uh, that was a deliberate conscious thing. It was the fact that he had actually put himself out of that way. 
Um, so when I then started to say to someone, could you come and do this smaller job? They would go, yeah, no bother. And then I would realize how good they were and they were able to do bigger jobs. And I would say, well, why do you not just do this bigger job for me? Because you were really good at what you do. Um, so it, it, it is, it's a classic. I mean, even even our drone pilot, you know, our drone pilot says, he says, look, Jim, I just look after you all the time. He says, I've, I've got big, huge jobs with STV, with, you know, all the big organizations and all the big, uh, all the big construction companies. But he says, I look after you all the time because he says, I realize if I don't give you that, somebody else is going to take my place and I'm going to need you at one, I'm going to need you one day at some point in time. So and, and that's how he does it, um, just because he realizes that is the case. I mean, one thing that makes the life of a managing agent easier is that, I mean, we look for multiple homes. Um, our calls um, our calls take priority. I would, I would say that's the most important thing, because the amount of work we provide through regular maintenance and compliance checks and general repairs, and of course, the odd emergency. The odd emergency. The odd emergency. Mm-hmm. Is it really the odd emergency, or is it? No, it's a daily emergency. Uh, so, I mean, how do you find it as well, Kim? Yeah, I mean, you're obviously going to get the amount of properties that manage. There's always going to be things needing done in them. So, I think just being able to have contractors there that we have built up a good relationship. When you can be like, right, I need this done like ASAP, or like, mm-hmm. I mean, myself, when I've got tenants looking move into a property I need work done as soon as I can get it because they want to move in so it's on the phone like hi could you please do this for me and it is it's built up that relationship you've got ones that will go out for you quicker than other ones perhaps would because you've got that good relationship with them. I mean it can be more challenging when you think about it to build a, a close relationship with contractors when you're a landlord with a single property um, or a small portfolio um, but with our with the checklist of tips I'm about to talk about uh, you'll probably find it easier to spot the ones that you can actually trust. And I think that's the most important thing. It is about trust, isn't it? Definitely. So, who, you know, how do you, how do you know you can trust a contractor, Charlotte? How do you know? What, what's the telltale signs? Apart from the <laughs> obvious. Well, on the of work, there's a couple of contractors in mind that I can literally phone them up at midnight and be like, I have an emergency. Can you please go? And they're like, yep, what's the address? I'll tell them, and they're there within 20 minutes to sort out the emergency. Um, they, and if they communicate back to you, so I can be like, can you let me know what's going wrong? And they'll phone me when they're there, being like, right, okay, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. Do you mind yeah. if we do the work or do you want us to quote for it? We can put a temporary repair on it just now. And they'll list absolutely everything for you. So there's no guessing with mm-hmm. what's going on. I think definitely communication is the biggest thing. And what, what about you, Karen? What are your thoughts? Yeah, like Charlotte says, obviously having somebody that's going to give you the options and talk you through it, especially somebody as well that you can phone up the tenant and be like, has this been fixed? Is everything okay now? And they're like, yeah, the contractor was really good. That's all fixed. I'm quite happy with it. So obviously getting some feedback from the person that is, that's in the property as well was a good way to check. So obviously if they come out and they're like, oh, they came out, but it's still not working. Right, I'll need to get them back to it. But I mean, luckily for us, most of the time you're phoning them up and they're like, yeah, thank you. March, that's it fixed now. So getting feedback as well. I think, that, I think that is quite an important one, isn't it? Is the fact that you know you're, you're, even your even your tenant themselves can actually tell you in a in, in a drop of heart if if these people are the right people or not. 
But generally, you know yourself, we we kind of test all the new contractors on my properties first to see how they get on. And then if they're fine and they do a good job and, and they do it well, then we'll roll them out to other, the other people as well. But it's true, though. I mean, when you've only got one property, really, are you going to be the priority in a contractor's um, list of, of, of people to look after um, when you've only got a small portfolio? So, you know, we're going to talk about some of the tips that you the people you can trust and the list of information. We're going to start though with the, I mean, begin the search now. I mean, that's the key thing. Don't wait until it happens. I think that's the most important point. Leaving it until the last minute to start hunting for a contractor is really a recipe for anxiety and panic. The emergency or the repair that will come at a convenient moment or an inconvenient moment, and you'll be rushing around against the clock to find really someone you can trust. You can see that classic. I mean, the first thing everybody does is Facebook, don't they? Does anybody know a contractor? <laughs> you could, you could. Uh, for me personally, I could almost see somebody when they when they put that on Facebook, running around the house with their hands in the air, like Home Alone, up and down the up and down the hall, <laughs> panicking. There's there's water flowing into my house. <laughs> Do you think? I mean, is it is that kind of your recommendation about probably probably like begin the search now? Yeah, definitely. I mean. For like us as a management agent, we put a post out um, last week saying that we're looking to hire new contractors to come and work with us. And it's not because we urgently need them. It's because we can preempt. You know, we've got so much coming on through rentals and we have so many managers now. We know in the next month or so we're going to need more. So before we get to the point that we're now struggling, we're looking for more people. We've actually from that post hired um, a couple um, yeah. of people so just something as easy as putting on a little post and like look do you know anybody do we have any recommendations um you know we've managed to source new contractors to work with us mm -hmm. um and i think preempting everything yeah i mean having time on your side well and the space to compare hourly rates is a great idea of what's fair and what's not fair and trying to find the three um each type of try and find three of each type of contractor I think that's the most important point as well. Eh? I mean, just putting your all eggs in one basket, I, I, is that a great thing to do, Kern? No, definitely not. Obviously, you've got, like you say, you can have the best contractor that's there for you, but, I mean, they're going to have their own work as well. So if you're phoning them up with a tenant with a burst pipe and they're not going to be able to go, you're then having to flap and try and find somebody else that could go. So at least if you have an array of contractors that could go, you know if you can't get your preferred one, you've got somebody else that could go and help you with it. Because, I mean, if you've got a tenant that's got an issue, the main thing they want is to get it fixed. They don't care yeah. if you can't find the right contractor in time. They just want that fixed. So they're not going to be happy waiting around while you're trying to find somebody to be able to go out to the job. It's quite interesting that you actually said that because it, it reminds me of the story when somebody phoned Martin and says, if it was British Gas, they'd be out. And I went, uh, actually, British Gas contract doesn't come out of the weekend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they went, of course it does. And then by the time they looked up on the internet and I sent them in a link, they realised that, no, they don't. <laughs> and we still managed to come out on a Saturday morning and get something sorted. And I, I don't know. And I don't. Th and that again, that comes down to the right contractors and 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 actually having the right people on board, doesn't it, Charlotte? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Like, don't trust British Grass. <laughs> they will not be there on time. Yeah. So I mean, some people publish their prices online, but it's always worth a call for an insight into their customer service and whether they actually answer the phone or call you back. That's the most important point. If you're looking for a contractor and they don't call you back for several days. 
you've no got the right person. <laughs> I think that's it. And and you have to you have to really I mean a lot of people actually just accept it and they fall into place because everybody else around about them conditions them and says, Oh, you you'll be struggling to get a plumber, you'll be struggling to get a, an electrical an electrician. But there is actually really good people out there. So I would recommend going through all the different processes and all the different people. Is that is is that probably the best thing to do? Definitely. I think if you've got the resources there that you can try and source the best people, then it's best to utilise them. So like you say, obviously going through like different portals to be able to find people like Facebook or yeah. recommendations, but always do your own research on it as well. Don't just kind of take word of mouth. And I mean, we've got contractors now that I know that I could phone up and if I don't get them, I don't even have to leave a message because they'll see that I phoned and when they get a chance, they phone me right back. So I don't even have to chase them up or do anything it's literally just a phone call and i know they'll get back to me if they if they're not able to answer the phone in, in the first call mm -hmm. and i never usually have to wait long so it is it's good it's just building up that relationship so you're not caught out basically it's having the numbers of a good plumber or electrician or handyman really and your phone right now and in preparation for that and be well prepared in advance i mean know who to call know who to call will be the real real lifesaver in this whole process and emergencies and your tenants to expect a speedy solution uh, that to, to my degree uh, charlotte this is my mentality it's it's um the quicker you can respond to your tenant is the more likely they will stay with you for longer as a result of that is that is that probably the most important point because our occupancy rates is the most important key performance indicator and and as a landlord yeah definitely i think as well um we do see more that it's when the landlord has their own preferred, co like their own contractors that they use and they set everything up. We do find that the tenants are phoning in regularly saying, well, nobody's been out yet. You said that it was going to get fixed. You know, what's going, what's happening? And we have to be like, well, we don't actually know. Yeah. It's not our contractors. I can get back in touch with you. I was like, but I'll need to go do a little bit of digging first. So um, being kept out of the loop as well is, is not good. So... It's amazing when you come down to that, and and it re I recollect that as well. It's uh, when you're when you're told by the landlord, it's like, oh, these are the people I use, and then you realise their service standard is nothing like ours, mm -hmm. and it's 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 like night and day. And yet, and, and I think to myself, and they think that's acceptable. It's like I I just I didn't get that at all. But it's probably just a different service standard, a higher standard. And well, you know yourself, we kind of we kind of keep beating the drum and talk about world class. Is what does world class look like, and what is how does world class come across, and how do we do world class for our for our customers? Really, that's what that's down to. Um, so you're absolutely right. It's when you're it's when that happens sometimes, and I think, oh no, we're on the back foot straight away. But once in a blue moon, you'll maybe get a good contractor. I've yet to find that though. <laughs> <laughs> I've no, I've never actually had that experience where the contractor that we've been told to use is actually a better contractor than the one that we're using just now. Um. One of the other things as well is, I think, ask for recommendations. I mean, you can't really beat a personal recommendation, can you? It's a source you can trust. Definitely. I mean, when I first started, I recommended an electrician, um, and now we use him all the time. And mm. he's so he's really reliable as well. So it's definitely down to personal recommendation. Mm. I mean, do your friends, your family, your neighbours know anyone reliable? That's a good That's a good place to start. I mean, some might recommend their own friends, so check they've got the experience and work f firsthand and, and just aren't able and just being, and, and they aren't just being supportive of their friends. Really, that's what that comes, that's the one I'm talking about. Really, I think that's the, that's the one where a lot of landlords say, oh, could you use these people 
because it is their friends and they feel obliged to use them as a result. But if they can't come out and they can't look after your, your almost your big, your, or your second biggest tax-free asset investment outside of your own home, um, um, then then why on earth would you put that at risk? Because it is earning money for you all the time. I mean, is that what you, is that your thoughts on this, Karen, or or would you have any other yeah. thoughts on that? I think obviously you've got people that want to be supportive friends, and like you say, friends feel obligated to use their friends. So make sure if you're taking a personal recommendation. It's somebody that's actually done work for someone that, that they're recommending. You're actually getting the best person and not just somebody being a supportive friend. Yeah. I mean, the classic as well is other contractors. I mean, you know, we know contractors already who use contractors themselves. So it's a, it's a great endorsement, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I bumped into, I was out checking a property just yesterday and I bumped into one of our contractors and he was like, oh, I'm going out to this one because it's been sourced. Do, obviously it's like a big refurb project so he'd been sold through the guy that's obviously like head in the project he was already one of our contractors I was like oh hi <laughs> so it is it's obviously our contractors know contractors and I mean it's it's an ideal situation with the contractors that we already that shows us not only that they're reliable but there's other people out there in the trade industry that want to work with them as well yeah and then we get we get the we get the calls from other people as well saying, "Do you know anybody that could fix my my, my electrical problems?" And I'm like, "Do you, but I'm, do we want I'm, to?" I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I, that's the difficulty, isn't it? It's like, oh god, I'm pretty reluctant to actually tell you because I know they're over the head as it is, and it's and if I start referring them to you, then we'll not be able to use them ourselves because we give them a ton of work anyway as it is, and I've no doubt we'll be priority. But you know, it's it's quite challenging and quite difficult to actually do that. You know, what's your mm -hmm. thoughts, Charlotte? You talk about priority there. Actually, one of our electricians has decided to give up all other work and not take on any of the work outside of five properties yeah. due to the volume of what he gets. Um, and he wants to solely work with us um, yeah. for work, which is absolutely great. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. And if your rental property is far from where you live or you have connections, it's going to be more, uh, you don't have connections, it's going to be more difficult. Um, your tenants might not be willing to, uh, might be willing to knock on your neighbour's doors or drop notes through, but the onus is ultimately on you to fix the problem if, if, if anything goes wrong. I mean, if a, if a pipe bursts from a, a property above you um, for your tenant, then then it's up to you to go and do that. It's not up to the tenant to run upstairs and say, by the way, this is, an, and then go and sort it for you. Um but but you can they can help you in the process and that that then comes back to having a good relationship with your tenant, doesn't it? It does. I think having a good relationship with them. So in that instance, if you do have a burst pipe, like you need somebody to be able to nip up upstairs and be like, oh, could you at least turn off your water just now? And it's having somebody like you do have that good relationship with with a tenant, for example, to be able to ask them, can you go up and let them know if I get a plumber out to it. So obviously, you have to, as a landlord, you have to take as many steps as possible to rectify the issue. I think having a good relationship with your tenant to help cause to do some preventive issues with it is always a lot easier. And you've got somebody that you can work with, and they also go in turn that you're doing to resolve the issue as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. So we're going to talk about later on about response rates um, in a minute. Um, but I, I think the other one for me is uh, read reviews and accreditations. Um, I mean, that's probably more important as well as the fact that personal recommendation is a lot um, and reading reviews about people as well. Uh, but but you have to you have to make sure you're in the right review sites because you know a lot of people we know we know your, we know ourselves that people can actually make up Google reviews. Um, they can actually be bought. 
from other, you know, you can actually go to somebody overseas and they'll they'll get 50 people to put a Google review on, a five-star Google review about your about your business and they've not even used you. So, um, I mean, companies generally only post the best remarks on their website as well. That's another classic example. Um, what, what was the one I had recently? They came to me, they said, how would you like to go on our accreditation? Um, and, and it was a review process. And it was like you got, you know, the five star and all the rest of it. It's no, it's no what we're using the now because what we use the now is authentic and it's actually only the customer that could put the review on. But I said, so what happens if we get a bad review? And he says, uh, oh, you could just leave it out. And I went, what? <laughs> I could just leave it out? And he says, well, I would recommend you probably leave a four star and a three star now and again just to even it off a bit so people don't realize you're actually just putting all five star reviews on. <laughs> and lo and behold, I says, well, I'll not be using you then. That's one of the biggest review web. It's one of the biggest review websites. I can't remember the name. It actually are used by a lot of agents outside of us um, at use it. And they all crow about how they've got five star reviews. And, and yet they actually allow you to manipulate the reviews. It's shocking. Absolutely mm -hmm. shocking. But so you have to watch out for that, don't you, Charlotte? Yeah, definitely. I think as well, you, like find my trader and places like that. They're really good for finding contractors if you ever are struggling. Um, you know, the reviews are genuine on it, and it gives a, a list of everything that they do, and so on. So yeah, find my trader. Trust the traders as good as exactly. well. Trust the trader. Trust, Trust the, the trader. But then again, it says, uh, well, you wouldn't. You don't really judge somebody one by one bad review because remember, they've got ninety nine other reviews which are really good. They've got one bad review. And everyone gets the odd one of those. I mean, you know, we get it ourselves, even though, you know, um, I, I I, literally got £30,000 more than the home report value for somebody and they complained about something else completely different. And I thought, really? <laughs> you weren't happy with the price then, thirty grand more? <laughs> Can't keep everybody happy. Uh, well, I kind of I kind of come to the conclusion that that is the case. Uh, you, you know, everybody's got their own motives and all the rest of it, but you, you know everybody's going to be happy. You've 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 just got to understand that and accept that. Acceptance more than anything. Uh, so everyone gets, everyone everyone gets the odd bad review. Instead, check if the general story is a positive one around that review as well. There's the classic. It's like I still got you thirty thousand pound more than the home report value, which is effectively fifteen percent more than the price of your property. Um, so you can work that out for anybody. It's actually <laughs> anybody that's got wanting a bit think about stat statistics and maths this morning. Yes, it was fifteen percent more. So that means the property was two hundred thousand. Okay, so we, I mean, we all know a friendly local handyman who's good at replacing a washer or a tap or fixing a loose door handle. But when it comes to jobs involving electrics, gas, plumbing, and renovations. You need to be sure your contractor has the correct certifications as well. What process are we going through, Charlotte? When So when we're looking to hire them, so say a, a gas safety engineer, they have to be gas safe registered for a start um, mm. and they have to go proof of this. Um, also, we always ask for public liability insurance. You have to have all your insurances in place. Um, if God forbid anything was to go wrong, that you know everybody is covered. So those, for, especially for a plumber, you have, well, a gas man, you definitely have to be gas safe um, registered, and you have to be able to provide proof of this too. I've often checked the gas safe register just to make mm -hmm. sure, because yeah, in, in the very in the in the past when it first started with the gas safe register. I actually had guys coming up and saying, "Well, here's my here's my card." And then when I went on to check it, it wasn't valid anymore. They were no. just they, they were using their card from the old system. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm I think so as well, um, with gas safe as well, they do they do do regular um, checks on on the gas safe people park. So um, you know, there's, there's another reason you'll get a call saying, "Oh, well, this person's done this on this. Can we come in and and check it over?" Yeah, that's mm-hmm. no bother at all when you come. I mean, if something goes wrong, uh, especially after you've used an unqualified contractor, it's you will bear the responsibility and the consequences. I talk about this quite a lot, um, and and it's few and far between. And it, pro- I can't think of a case where it's ever happened to a private landlord. I know it has for a corp- uh, for a for a um, for a, a social landlord um, in the past, where the tenant has actually died because of carbon monoxide poisoning, um, yeah. and and I and loan or, or a gas explosion. And lo and behold, when it's gone back and the health and safety executive's gone in, they've actually realised that it wasn't it wasn't done properly. Um, and and I often cite if you are a private landlord, it does not fall to you. It falls to you as the private landlord to ensure that is the case, or you could end up facing a conviction of corporate manslaughter. You know that's that's the worst case scenario, and you could end up going to jail effectively because of that. Um, so it's 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 really important. It's extremely important that you actually make sure that these people are qualified and they're actually in a position to proceed with the job without you actually without not checking anything. That's the worst thing you could ever do. So I can't stress enough. But uh, it's really worth doing your homework on this whole process. And you know, and, and as I said, Charlotte, we do that all the time, don't we? Yeah, definitely, all the time. You know, there's not a contract we don't hire that we don't do a bit of back work on them to find out, you know, what they've done previously. Do they have a bang in place? You know, is their electrical certificate still registered? Is their gas safe still registered? Um, because at the end of the day, it's not us that we need to worry about. It's our tenants and our landlords. Yeah. And for you, Karen, I mean, reviews and re- uh, read reviews and accreditations, what's your thoughts on this whole process and, and, what, and advice for, for anybody out there? Yeah, definitely do your homework. For the length of time that it would take you to, like you say, read the reviews, get recommendations for them, make sure they are who they say they are to start with, and obviously that they've got the relevant certificates and everything in place for themselves. It could potentially prevent you having a bigger issue. Like if something goes wrong, you don't want that to obviously come back to yourself. So you need to make sure you've done your homework and you're getting the best job. And just little things as well, like we, I had an inspection recently where the carbon monoxide detector, I couldn't see it when I was doing the inspection. So I went and said to the tenant, I was like, where is it? It's like, oh, it's in that cupboard. I was like, I can't see it. I need you to come and find it for me. So she did. And it was there and we got it back in place where it was meant to be. But just little things like that, especially when it comes to gas as well. It's such one that you have to be really careful about because something can easily go wrong with it. You have to make yeah. sure you're getting the right contractors right preventative measures so that things don't go even things like the smoke alarms and the the heat detectors um i, I mean you know if they're not installed correctly as well they could that could go horribly wrong for some people and, and it is regulations. yeah yeah and regulations go. are changing so much just now especially when it comes to eicrs obviously your electrical insulation condition reports you need to make sure you've got the right smoke alarms in it and you have a contractor that knows what the regulations are for rental properties so we're getting the right alarm system in place for it okay so uh, i was interested to see james's comment here um i popped up before just be careful with check a trade they pay for listings and provide contractors lists of people needing work done unfortunately cowboys use them as well as a means to get customers this is really when it comes down again to looking at read reviews and accreditations and make sure and, and double check for yourself. Even send people a private message if you're able to do that and say, you know, what, what, how did you get on with them and what did they do for you and how did you feel about that job? But for me personally, it's all about local contractors. 
It's really people that are locally in your area that you know have been there or working with someone else. If they've maybe just started up a self-employed uh, business and working for themselves, but they've been working with another company that was local for several years beforehand, and uh, and and they've got a sterling reputation, and that person is actually left because because it possibly might have revolved around them. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's why they've got a sterling reputation. So why not follow the sterling reputation? Um, just just be careful with, make sure, um, again, I, as I say, before we leave the subject, make sure you check all the accreditations. Um, so next one for me is probably re, um, research response times. Every, I mean, this is this is a, one of the most important things I would say in, in my book. Every property requires ongoing maintenance uh, general repairs and safety compliance. So it's good to know how far in advance you really generally need to book. Um, just ask about average arrival times for regular office, regular office hours, weekends, and in the middle of the night as well. I mean, that's is, that's something that you'll probably do, as uh, um, Charlotte. Yeah. So, regards to like emergency type of work, um, you know, we have our set contractors that we know that we can call at any time. But when we're hiring new contractors, we always ask them, you know, what are your hours? Do you do out of hours work? Could you be on call for an emergency? You know, if our preferred contractor can't make it, all the things. And nine times at 10, they all come back saying, yeah, that's fine. Um, we can do this, we can do that, we can do this. So it is good to have a decent response time on all your contractors. Do they stick to it though? Or do you find yeah. that some people say that, but they don't do it? I mean, there's an odd one that's like, oh, tonight, really, the football's on. I'm just like, well, we've got a leak, so tough. Yeah. But uh, no, 19 uh, to 10, they, they, do, they do go and they do do what they say. So Yeah. How do you find it as well, Karen? Yeah, obviously, it's good to have contractors that you know are going to stick to like their times that they've actually said. And obviously, with obviously depending on what jobs you've got as well, like, for example, when our gas safety renewals are due, are due we're a month ahead of them being due for renewal we're in the process of trying to get them arranged because obviously they're so important you have to make sure they're kept up to date so like if you're a landlord you know you've got like certificates that are due for renewal i would start getting them prepared like a good few weeks in advance because obviously you don't know what a contractor's availability is going to be like and you don't want to be caught, caught short of that certificate running out when if you maybe given them a call before they would have been done in time for it yeah, I mean, even electrical standards, Charlotte. We had spoken about it yesterday. It was one of my properties is due for the next DICR. Now, now it's out. Now it's out. It's basically it's out. But it's there's nobody in the property, and it's out. It's out of time now. But it's out of compliance now. So I'm saying to you, well, I will tell you what. When we go in for inspections now, we need to check and make sure that that everybody's compliant still, or then we need to review that again. Um, because it's, it's like it's a classic example, like an MOT on a car. Um, mm -hmm. Just because your car's got an MOT for a year, if your exhaust falls off, you didn't just leave it and, know you, <laughs> and drive about in it like that because then it's not it's not legal anymore. So it's it's the same for us as as legislation changes. We have to mm -hmm. change the times as well and make sure that's all up to date, doesn't it? Well, that's it as well. Smoke alarms are the bane of my life because you can find tenants taking them down. I'm just like, you know, this this device can save your life. If God forbid there was ever a fire. So um, definitely always check the smoke alarms and, you know, if you are out doing inspections, always I always take a photo now of the um, fuse board um, just to make sure it is compliant because, you know, in the ICR last five years, but in that five years, regulations might have changed. Um, as So with one of your properties, Jim, this, this was the, the issue. Well, that was, that was the classic one. From the, when, and I always remember it when they said, I tell you what, we're going to put, a, what is it, composite? 
composite boxes on the on the electricals. So you've now mm. got to change them. So I went and changed every single one of composite boxes. And then the next year they went, oh, we've changed their mind. We're actually going to we're going to change it, but we're going to change it to metal. And it's like what? Yeah, it has I've to changed, metal. Yeah, just changed every single one. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it. And as well with the smoke alarms, there's a new legislation. Obviously, you now need to have a fire smoke certificate. Um, and a lot of landlords don't know about that. Um, yeah. You know, they are now law that you need to have them in place. Mm-hmm. I mean, for Vice Council are asking for everything as well. Mm-hmm. When you're a new landlord getting your registration up and running, obviously the Fife Council applications for it is asking what certificates, making sure that you've got them all in place. So if you get a spot check and you don't have any of these certificates, that's you putting your registration up at risk. So for all the time it takes to get a contract out, get these certificates done to make sure everybody's yeah. compliant, happy, safe tenant, and obviously you're keeping yourself right as well. And then the key is, if you're putting your registration at risk, then that means uh, if you're not got registration anymore, you can no longer rent a property as a landlord. You're not a fit and proper person under the law in Scotland. That's really what it comes down to, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And if you've got a tenant that's in receipt of any benefit payments, like, for example, universal credit, they will stop that payment and you won't be getting any rent. Oh, wow. They'll stop that straight away, yeah? If they find... if the if the pay benefit system finds out that you're no longer a registered landlord, they will stop paying your tenants' benefits and they will send you a letter saying that this is why, basically, and you will not be getting any until your registration is sorted out again. Wow, I, I never, I never knew that. Um, obviously, we've no come foul of that anymore, but we, we do know about that. Um, I, but I'm actually surprised that actually happened. Um, but I'm not surprised to a degree. Um, it had happened in the past years and years ago. I remember. Um, probably about 20 years ago, I remember when one, one of the landlords I knew, not somebody we managed property for, but they got every single benefit payment stopped and they were bringing in £12,000 a month. And it just stopped like that. And they said, we're no paying anymore. That's it. We're stopping everything. And we will hold it back until you confirm for us at this piece of legislation you're actually complying with. And that took about a good three months to sort out. So that was effectively £36,000 in rent coming in. And yet they still had to finance all their all their business and run it as a proper business until that was all sorted. Um, but, but yeah, non-compliance can actually cost you a huge amount of money. Um, and the classic example is to be members of, um, for example, Scottish Landlord Association and Landlord Accreditation um, Scotland. I mean, they all have the same rigorous procedures, don't they? They actually ask for the sample tests of all your gas certificates, electrical certificates, and stuff like that as well, don't they, Charlotte? Yeah, definitely. Like Kara said, with the council also, I don't know how many emails a week we get now saying, oh, we've been spot-checked, we need all this information, can you please provide us with provide them with the documentation? But, you, you know, I've had somebody that we don't manage, and um, they're not one of our landlords, never spoken to them before in our life, saying that he was a private landlord and he doesn't have the certification, what can he do? Yeah. And I said, well, get it sorted ASAP. Yeah, we've got some good comments here. I mean, David Sinclair says, um, great project subject, um, letting agency owner and landlord, social and reliable contractors continue to be a primary challenge. Notably, the good ones do not have to advertise. They already secure sufficient work via word of mouth and recommendations. Absolutely, David. That's exactly what happens. It's everybody who knows everybody. And the groups that we have, uh, we get these people. Uh, James is actually coming to say, non-compliance for another agent forced me to move to five properties. Uh, for one of my flats. Um, again, another classic story where people actually, that's just non-compliance from other people. Um, I've recently bought, haven't I, in Southgate and Cooper. Um, it's like, you know, and they were completely non-compliant and they were with mm-hmm. a rent agent in Cooper. 
was... I, I couldn't believe it. Could not believe it when I seen it. Unbelievable. But that's no surprise. So how did? How is it that get? How is it that they get away with that then? Is it because because no one reports them? Because when you think about it, the local authority can't police all that, and they can't catch everybody all the time. There is there is probably round about twenty. What is it? They're saying eighteen percent of the housing stock is uh, private landlord uh, um, rented. So if we take uh, one hundred seventy thousand households in Fife and multiply it by 0.18, you've got thirty thousand households in Fife. Are literally in the private uh, private rented, so thirty thousand households, and you can't really accommodate to police that whole thing. So it is really important that if you're a tenant, that you report that to primarily your letting agent or your landlord in the beginning. Report it in writing or write them an email. That's the most important point about what you feel they're failing in or what you feel they're not doing for you. And if you don't get the proper response, then you can take it to the local authority or take it to possibly a trade body after that at, um, to, 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 to complain against them. Because some of them are members of the Scottish Landlord Association. Some of them are members of Landlord Accreditation Scotland. Some of them are actually let well. Um, well, every single letting agent should be let well qualified in Scotland. That's an important point. Um, and also um, you have the local authority for landlord registration to report it to as well. So I think it takes a lot of people to actually make sure that we push the rogue landlords out of the market and the rogue letting agents as well, really. Well, that's it. Yeah, cause it, it the danger it can cause um, by not having this in place is, is crazy stupid. Mm -hmm. um, and why you would ever want to put somebody's, somebody in that kind of position is beyond me. Yeah. Uh, James actually says, I'm sure I've seen something in the 2040 paper to increase uh, these properties' uh, compliance checks significantly. It, it will be. That, there's no doubt about it, and I'm telling you, there's a, there's a warning sign here. In 1999, when I first set up, when I helped set up Fife Landlord Association with 20 other big landlords in Fife, we put it together as Fife Landlord Association. I stood up there at that point and said, at some point in time, landlords will be registered and they'll be licensed, and they'll be required to be that, or you will not be able to let property anymore. And everybody laughed. And and lo and behold, it's all in now, and it's even more draconian than what I'd actually discussed at the time. So I think we're only going to see more and more legislation come into place. But what I would say um, to the people out there that have properties to rent as landlords, if you're doing all the right things in the first place, you've nothing to worry about, because it is effectively all taken up to the current standard, isn't it? They're, all they're doing is legislating for it rather than actually leaving people as a voluntary code of practice now. Yeah. And even just the simple things of making sure you are a registered landlord as well. Obviously, we get new landlords that are coming on that it's their first time renting out their properties or especially accidental landlords that they don't know what they're doing and it's just yeah. they've been landed with this property that they can now deal with. So how do, how do people things. know? how do people know that the landlord is registered? Their advert for one thing should carry the landlord registration number, shouldn't it? Yeah. So obviously the landlord should be on the landlord register. You should be able to search a property by the postcode or the landlord registration number to make sure that that property is actually on the landlord registration. Where obviously is the landlord you're... registration uh, register? Is it held online? Yep. You just Google it, landlord register. <laughs> so uh, I think it's landlordregistrationscotland.gov.uk. Or it could be landlordregistration.scotland.co.uk. It's one of the other, but but it is one of these. And you you can check. I think it's you can check if the if the property is registered um, under that register, 
and get the contact details for that individual property um, for that landlord or letting agent if they choose to use a letting agent or you can check if the landlord registered as well. So you can do one or the other. And if they're not on that register, you then have a mechanism to report them to the local authority um, in order to do that. There's uh, James gone and gone on there and said it's landlord.registration.scot.gov.uk, I think. Okay. All righty. So I think we've talked about uh, research response times, compliance. Um, one of the other things as well is insurance. Uh, I mean, direct line, actually, insurance, insurers. Um, now, personally, I don't endorse direct line, but this is their survey. Um, if I was going to go to an insurer, I would use Alan Boswell um, or I would use Hamilton Fraser. These are two of the biggest landlord insurers in Britain and the UK, and they comply. They they cover you for every type of tenure, and I mean they'll cover you for students, they'll cover you for um, professionals, people that are working, they'll cover you for people on benefits, they'll cover you for every single type, house and occupation, they'll cover you for if your uh, property is, is done by private sector leasing where the local authority takes over the running of your property, they decide what tenants go into it, so that's the people I would endorse. Um, but this this uh, survey actually said, of the UK landlords, they found that plumbers were the fastest emergency responders. This will be interesting for you, Charlotte, to see if you, you agree with us. The average arrival time of around 13 hours after an issue is reported. Uh, I, I think you're quite surprised about that. Eh? <laughs> it's like, no. what? 13 hours? That's a no. deal. No, no. <laughs> They they followed they're followed by electricians in just under eighteen hours and gas and heating engineers come uh, just come short of twenty one hours. That's average. So to think it's something the other side of that. No, our, I mean our response time for our plumbers is a couple of hours max, depending on where about in five they are. If I phone them saying need to get from one five side of house to the other, they can be there within an hour. They'll get it done. Electrician, yeah. the same, maybe an, an hour or two extra on top of that, but nothing compared to what they're uh, averaging out. That's crazy. Eh? I mean, you know, um, the, right, here's the key here as well, as many excellent contractors are actually sole traders, um, no, but no matter how wonderful they are, they might be busy when you call. So it's worth having a couple of numbers. I think that's the most important point as well. And that's why that's why we use we do have two or three people for all the different types of uh, uh, trades. And we build that all the time. I mean, there's water when there's water coming in. There's a major electrical fault. The speed of response will actually be crucial in this whole process, won't it? Yeah. Well, like you went to your property, Jim. There was a leak from upstairs into another property, and it was within twenty minutes we had a plumber there turning off the water, and then five minutes after that, the electrician was there to make sure that all the lights were fine. So, you know why I'm smiling? Because when you said there's a leak from upstairs. Did you look? <laughs> you actually looked up. Oh, did I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's, that's, uh, that's weird time we do that. Eh? There's a leak from yellow. <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you find that as well? I mean, do you find the many of the, the, the contractors are sole traders, uh, Karen? Yeah, obviously a lot of them have got their own work that they're doing as well as taking on our work. Like Charlotte says, one of the contractors that we've been doing that we've been working with is solely focusing on the jobs that we give them because we are such a big company and there is a lot of work there. So we're now at the point that we've grown so much that we're needing more contractors just to deal with like the volume of work that does go on so many properties. So and it is, it's having somebody that's there that can be on hand to minimise any potential damage to a property. Especially if you've got a leak. 
you don't want somebody that's like, oh yeah, I'll go out tomorrow. It's like, no, I need you out there now. Because <laughs> yeah. obviously if you've got water that's going everywhere, the amount of damage that it can cause, not just cosmetic, but if it gets into the electrics, can cause damage to like kitchen units, flooring, whatever it can cause damage to downstairs in a neighbor's potentially. So you need somebody that's going to be there as soon as possible for you to be able to minimize the damage caused by that potential leak. Yeah, just a quick look. Here's the register here. Um, it's uh, landlord registration scotland.gov.uk, all one word landlord registration scotland, uh, and that's the register itself. Um, okay, so let's talk about uh, one of the most important things that everybody fears spotting the rogues. You know, that's really what it comes to. It is a big deal asking a stranger into your property to carry out work and repairs. So look for these telltale signs of traders to avoid. Suspiciously cheap. First one. What's your thoughts on this? Yeah, for I mean, what you get. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I think it's well up more than one company to quote for something. And one comes back, say, a thousand pounds, and the rogue trader comes back as well, I'll do it for a couple of hundred. No. No, yeah. no. Uh, uh, you, you, yeah, and then rain raises alarm bells, doesn't it? It's like, okay, so how are you able to do it? For, and and I do say to you sometimes, I just, go back to the guy and say, how could you do that for two hundred quid then, when everybody else is quoting a thousand? You know, how is that possible? And and you know, once in a blue moon, somebody might actually have have got it wrong and they've actually priced it wrong, and 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 then they'll come back and say, well, oh, sorry, no, I didn't realise it was that exactly what you were wanting. I've just assumed. So probably a classic example about spotting the rogues are, are uh, suspiciously cheap. You can check that. The best ones we know are worth, and it's their their work is worth the cost. You, it's the old phrase. I mean, you pay peanuts, you get monkeys, isn't it? Definitely. But be cautious when someone is usually cheap compared to other quotes, particularly if you have no firm recommendations to go on. That's one of the most important things in that. Um, the other one is cash only. The days of writing checks and three-day bank transfers are long behind us. Uh, now you can send your money from your phone to another bank account in seconds. So there's not much really excuse for taking cash. You've got, again, alarm bells ring when somebody says, you know, just pay me in cash. Because um, you almost think, I've not got a guarantee, have I? <laughs> mm -mm. Mm -mm. Yeah, we, we advise not paying cash. Yeah, because then you've got no guarantee, you've got no traceability, you've got no way to come back on someone. It says, you know, you didn't pay, well, I didn't pay you that. It's like, well, prove it. You can't prove anything if you paid them in cash, especially if you don't get a receipt. You know, if you, if you end up doing that, then, you know, you need to get something writing to say you've actually paid for it and a receipt from that person to say that's been paid, what job's been paid, and make sure their contact details are on that receipt as well because that is almost as good as an invoice for the work done if not if not as good okay so that that for me is is a big big thing be careful of paying cash there has to be reasons behind that there's also the obvious reasons that they're dodging the tax yeah i think just on the topic of paying as well i think obviously just if you know you've got a job coming up you know you're going to have to make payment for this contractor once it's done Obviously, if you're making sure that you're paying contractors once you've complete, once they've completed the work and everything's okay, obviously check with the tenant to make sure it first. But making sure that you're paying them on completion of the job, you're going to then keep the contractor happy. So you're going to have them 
more inclined to do work for you in the future whereas if you're a landlord that's like oh I'm, I'll, do, I'll get around to paying that or oh yeah I'll pay you next week for it that contractor is not going to want to come back and do work for you because you've not made payment for them when they've done what they've said they would they've done the job they've done it to a good level and you've not paid them for it so I think making sure you have a relationship with them that you are making sure you make reasonable payment to them then obviously you're yeah. going to make strength communication with them that they are going to want to come back and do more work for you rather than shooting I think, I think that was my most important point, Karen, at the beginning, and I actually didn't point it out. I think the most important point to how, if you get a good contractor is to pay them right away after the job's been signed off. Um, if you because if you're if you're a self-employed person, this is how it works. You go, you come away from a company which has been doing the accounts and been doing the credit control and collecting all the money. Somebody else has been doing that separate. All you want to do is swing a hammer, effectively, as a self-employed uh, business. And, and that's what a lot of people want the time to themselves, but they want to just swing a hammer. They don't want to do anything else. They don't want to quote for jobs and finance and all the rest of it and then chase people for money. They don't have time to do that because if they're chasing you for money, they're losing money on jobs that they could be doing. So if you pay them on time every time, as soon as the job's done, they'll be back to you every single time. So when you lift the phone, it's like they'll come, you get top priority. Every single time you'll be the number one person. You've hit the nail on the head yourself, Charlotte, where that electrician went, I'm just going to wait for five properties. That's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that's one of the most important points as well. Next one in line, people requesting full payment up front. That is a no-no. Do not pay people for the full job up front. Yes, you'll get the odd request. We've had it recently where I'm doing a full refurb. The guy's gone, I need six grand, I need it for the kitchen, the bathroom, and all the rest of it, and the materials. No bother, that's fine, we'll pay you. Um, because we know the contractor, happy mm -hmm. to do that, sterling job, and they've requested the money up front for the payment of the materials. Um, but you, I personally wouldn't be paying somebody for the full job in advance before they've even started it. You know, is that what, what's your thoughts on it, guys? Yeah, definitely. I think there's a difference between, like you say, paying for like a deposit or paying materials, and obviously they've got the money there to finance the work being started for it and then obviously you're paying for them um, for their, their labor at the end of it mm -hmm. charlotte i think as well if, if, if obviously a contractor is asking for payment up front we can kind of be like well i'll tell you what we can ask them for payment up front we'll hold the money so we know that you've, we've got it as soon as you're done you will get paid if it's up to standard you've done everything correctly and you can prove mm -hmm. that you know it's passed all the certification that's another way of maybe getting around it that's an extremely good one as well when you have possibly a flaky landlord. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're not entirely convinced if you commit with it. Because remember, at the end of the day, it's us as a letting agent are committing with the contractor to do the job. It's not you as a landlord. And we have to make sure you're, you've got the money just as importantly as we've got the money to pay the contractor. That's what it comes down to as well. So, you know, we, we're going to make sure beforehand and, and absolutely we can hold that money as a buffer and this is to the, the contractors that work with us we hold that money as a buffer just in case so when the job's done the contractor can, can get paid pay, paid in full uh, or we will ask the landlord for the money up front beforehand it's exactly what you said Karen and hold on account so I think that's um but be careful as I said that's the one to spot the rogues requesting the payment up front straight away is not the option though they normally ask for materials and that and again if you think the material cost is excessively high then ask to see the quotes from the from the people that they're getting materials from um because often you know um 
like, for example, Howden's will give them a quote of exactly what the job costs in terms of the materials, and it's easy for them to provide you with that in order to see what you should be paying up front from the yeah. beginning. And then if you get the quote from Howden's, you could pay Howden's direct and get yeah. that get that job delivered direct. It's entirely up to yourself. Um, so that's another way to get round that. If you've got the, the deal with, with Howden's, you're paying them for the materials direct then, and therefore you're just getting them delivered on site for the contractor themselves. Some contractors actually like that because it keeps them below the VAT threshold. You know, that's another thing as well, because if they've got £50,000 worth of materials, they've really only got about £40,000 worth of labour then to, to be able to charge out to keep under the VAT threshold. Whereas if you're buying all the materials, they can they can basically do a, a huge amount of work up to up to that VAT threshold for them to stay under that VAT um, threshold itself. So that avoids 20%, you know, to, 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 to people in the street, to us as landlords. Um, so that's another way as well um, to get around that. Okay, um, probably the final one for me is the flaky behaviour, the non-committal language, the vagueness over the price, and the failing to turn up at the agreed time are not signs of a good contractor. Um, if you get a bad feeling, go with your gut. Sixth sense, is that probably the, the best way to describe it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, luckily we don't have that issue, but with maybe contractors that are the landlord's own contractor not one from five properties they'll come into the office and i'll be reluctant to hand over the keys to the property thinking i don't trust you as far as i could bring you but here you go because that's what the landlord wants yeah um, mm -hmm. so it is, it is the, it's the non-committal it's like I'll, I'll i'll get that job done oh i'll get around to it it's like all right okay so when are you getting around to it you know give us an exact date when you're starting that's that. That's the one as well. I would advise people when you've got the the I'll get round to it. Don't just accept I'll get round to it. When are you getting round to it? And then yeah. oh, it's round about it's round about three thousand, four thousand. It's like well, it's either three or four thousand. It's like there's a big gap there. It's like if I, if you then come back to me, the bill is going to be four thousand, isn't it? Because it's not going to be three thousand. It's going to be four um, <laughs> because you've just said between three and four. So. There's a huge gap between between that process. So it's like, could you clarify that for me a bit more? I think it's important to get that cost nailed down as well. And uh, and also continually failing to turn up at the agreed time. That's a classic sign as well, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. If you if you can't stick to what you say you're gonna do, how can we trust you to be able to carry out the work um and get it done correctly and you know to a high standard that, you know. Our landlords and our tenants deserve. So. so, my advice for people out there is go with your gut, understand your sixth sense. If there's if there's alarm bells ringing in your head about this doesn't feel quite right, it's a bit non committal, it's vagueness, I'm not really got a, a confirmed price on this. They're not turning up when they should be turning up. Don't don't hold out for them. Don't be loyal to them. Just move on, get another contractor, or you phone them up and say, look, you know, you're not turning up when you're meant to be turning up. Are you going to commit to this? If you're not going to commit to it, I'll tell you what. It's difficult for us as, as as human beings because we don't like confrontation. That's really what it comes down to. And But but you have to be like that if, if that is the case. Um, I, I think that's the most important point, and that's as a as a letting agent, we're like that as well. Um, it's, uh, it's the confrontation. You have to have that, and you have to have that with your contractors to say, are you going to be doing this job at that time? If you're not going to be doing the job at that time, we will allocate it to someone else who will do it. it won't, we won't hold it against you. If it's your first time, 
The reality is we understand that sometimes you get bogged down with other jobs that you weren't sure about, but you've still got to stay with. That's okay, but we'll need to pass it on someone else because the job needs done. We can't just wait for you to fit it in when you want to, when it's convenient. We've got a tenant staying in a property. They're paying money for that. They're paying money for a service. So we'll want it done. We'll want some sort of finite resolution. I've got, I've got, I'll get off my high horse now. <laughs> <laughs> James actually says here it doesn't hurt to have some contingency money just in case something pops up about dampness or low pressure on your boiler and anything like that to make sure that's it. And that's absolutely right. That's why I say to a lot of people, make sure you charge the right amount of rent because when it comes around to the repairs, the tenant's not going to say, oh, well, I've got a cheap rent, so it doesn't matter about repairing my house. It's, that's not the right thing. You charge people the right rent, you're able to give them the right service, and everybody's happy in the process. That's it, guys. That's an hour. So final thoughts on this, um, final words on this, Karen. Make sure you do your research, get the right contractor, many hiccups of the sort. Yeah, what about yourself, Charlotte? Yeah, definitely. Like Karen said, do your research. You've got to be able to trust them. Um, and yeah, if you get a bad feeling, don't go with it. There's always somebody else out there that can help. Yeah. So, I mean, building for me, building trust, uh, a trusted circle of contractors is no easy task. It does take time, and you've heard that. I mean, it's we're still not even got that, and we're still continually building. That's 30 years on from when I first started. So it takes time, it takes work, but peace of mind uh, is priceless in the whole process. Of course, of course, and I'll reiterate this, having a managing agent removes all this work for you to truly have a passive income. If your rent is £450 a month for your tenant, you will literally pay £2.13 a day, £2.13 a day, which is less than the price of a cup of coffee, to have someone else take all that off you. You'll never have to deal with maintenance, compliance, or repairs. You'll have to call in the you'll never have that call in the middle of the night having to do things. We we'll, and, and, and the emergency number for the tenants to call on. You'll not have any of that process. That'll be passed on to a letting agent. So get yourself a letting agent if it's truly passive income and it will release you. And this is my process as a landlord now because I've done both sides. I've managed it all myself from the beginning. I'll tell you what, passive income and letting a managing agent do it is a lot better and a lot more cost effective. Cause it, is, it, is, it is about scarcity of resources. If you've only got a limited amount of time and you could earn more money with your time doing something else other than having to respond to managing a property, then pay an agent to do it, for goodness sake. You're kidding yourself. It is a false economy. And that's my final thoughts on it for today. Okay, thanks, guys, for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. I've been really interested to get anybody else's thoughts on this process, about the hiring contractors, the landlord's guide, and all the rest of it, and what your thoughts are on the show itself. Um, and until next week, guys, um, thanks very much for joining us, and bye-bye for now. Bye. Thank you.